Totally Football show today. Differing themes in the Champions League. William, it was really something for Chelsea at the bridge, but who left the pog out? Who for Man United in Seville with the usual tedious record? We round up all the talking points as Mu keeps the chances scarcer than a KFC bargain bucket and catch up with the other news like City's FA Cup shock. If you've ever wondered, would Pep look as nice with a Wigan? The answer is no. We'll be looking ahead to Sunday's Man City Arsenal Carabao Cup final, bringing you PSG Neymar War news, Premier League previews, Alisson, is he better than De Gea, and other superb questions in this Totally Football show. Hello, everybody. When I say today's show is packed, I'm not lying. We've got some James Horncastle for you. Hey, Jimbo. We've got some Julien Laurent. Bonjour, James. Bonjour to you, Julien. And we've also got... Joining the Totally family here at Totally Towers, Pat Nevin. Well, hello, and it's nice to have a normal accent after being surrounded by these two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not. Wing wizard, DJ, and broadcaster extraordinaire, Pat Nevin, in case there was any confusion there. <laughs> uh, Pat, we've got a broad range of topics to talk to you about, mm-hmm. uh, including music. But let's start, though, because it's been a momentous midweek, as per usual, with Champions League. Because I know that you, in, in your capacity as a co-commentator for Chelsea TV, were at Stamford Bridge uh, for the, the Barcelona mm-hmm. game. What did you think? Well, it was, it was intriguing. Um, had Chelsea turned up with their uh, January form, they would have been hammered, clearly. And I think everybody knew that. No, that was in the background. But um, they seemed to regain some of the form from the, what they had last season. Um, the tactic, which surprised quite a lot of us, of going with uh, Hazard as the nine, as the central attacker. Um, you can call him false nine if you like, but he was nine. I didn't think it was a good idea because I looked at the previous games you played. They played with uh, Hazard up front, and they could beat them all. Mm. <laughs> Have you changed your mind now after the performance? Uh, not necessarily, to be absolutely honest. I think it was a good performance, but um, with Hazard, see, it's the odd thing with Hazard. You know, he's, he's fabulous. He's great, but you've got a fantastic wide attacker, maybe the best wide left attacker in the business at the moment. Right, great. So what do you do? And it's like being in an office. If you're in the office and you've got a great work in the office, and you say you're great, mate. We'll make you a manager. But he's not a very good manager. Mm. And you've just lost your best office worker. You've promoted him beyond his skill set. Well, to a different skill set, mm. not beyond, to a different skill set. So Hazard is the best attacking left sided, you know, there is running with the ball in front of the players in front of him. And you put him a set forward and he's all right. Messi's so, done a similar shift this year for. Yeah, but he's Barcelona. messy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's different because he's messy and you can put him anywhere and it doesn't right. really matter. And, it, and it's. You say it and people think you're having a dig at uh, Hazard. You're not. What you're saying is you're absolutely world-class over there and you're quite good there. So as a team, if you look at it in the widest sense, you've lost your best wide attacker and you've now got a central striker who's okay. So for me, it it worked okay. But when Hazard was put to the left against a a full-back who's not an actual full-back, Sergio Roberto... It just looked as if he could shred them at any moment. So we're a bit luck for Chelsea in the second leg. I, th- well, I hope Hazard is back out wide again. Problem is, you need to then lose either Pedro or William, and that's a tough gig to well, that's, call. Well, that's that's the thing because great as Hazard is, and I, I know you're a fan. Uh, William showed once again why he's such an exceptional uh, weapon to deploy there in midfield. Uh, they have a one-one scoreline, uh, which I think some people have regarded as a decent result against Barcelona. That said, Jules, I do. Recall a side take your 4-0 lead, was it, to <laughs> Barcelona? Was it last season? 4-0. Four, four, four 
And I can't. No, no, no that doesn't. <laughs> is it is that it, nasty all the time? No. Here? Is it, yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it enough? One one. I, I don't think it would be, but it might be. It might be. I think this this Chelsea team would be far more resilient than the PSG team of last year, who had, uh, you know, far better leads, who had far more confidence, too confident, too arrogant, too scared in a way as well. I don't think the Chelsea team would be scared enough, and and. Chelsea need to score anyway. It's a completely different dynamic than PSG last year. PSG could defend the lead. Chelsea can't defend a nil-nil draw because that they will be out. So they have to score. It'd be interesting to see. I think they they ha- they will have chances. Whether Hazard and I agree with Pat, whether he plays centrally or on the left. The problem for me on Tuesday is when he was on the ball, there was no one in the box because he was the one supposed to be there as well. And because he was often dropping deep because that's what he does and drifting on the left naturally because that's where he feels the best, then there was not, no one left in there. So it'd be interesting to see. But I think it was only, only five times before. So Chelsea only had less than, I think they had 26, 26% of possession in that game. Mm-hmm. And it was only the sixth time in, in the Champions League history. And the last five times were also against Barcelona so clearly <laughs> but it worked for them because they more often than not beat them so or at least knock them out so yeah, Barca- can, I, can, I, can I add a wee argument to mm-hmm. that for the when Barca used to have like 70-80% possession and Man City do it now I kind of never look at that percentage because it's just a number mm. I look at what level of possession what kind of possession Barca's possession wasn't particularly good right it's very deep well yeah, that's the they thing had one shot it is a different target, Barcelona so. side to the one that did overturn that deficit against PSG um, they're a bit more normal I think than they were towards the end of the Luis Enrique days partly because Neymar's now gone but it, even under um, Ernesto Valverde yes they're undefeated in the league but they're not blowing teams away they're kind of a much more functional, less fluid team than they were. And I think, you know, from that point of view, Chelsea's game plan did to some extent work. Uh, well, I think they did what Conte wanted them to do, which mm. was to basically say, you control the ball, we'll control the space, you know, we'll let you go out wide, you can cross, you've got these little men in the middle, it doesn't really work. And those, in that nimble front three, I agree with Pat, it is, it is jarring sometimes to see Hazard playing as a centre-forward those players are the best ones who can actually have that bit of acceleration. Yeah, but they need can to carry go- the ball forward and get them out. Yeah, but they need, you need to be going their own. It's, it's, it's kind of almost like you, you do get carried away with all the technical things. That remember the initial stuff. Hazard is good at running that way, i.e., towards the, the goal. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing centre forward in that position, you're not. You're generally going the other way because you're holding up the ball. It's a really, really simple concept. And when you're playing, you realise, oh, actually, this is harder doing it this way there was a lad called you may remember James McFadden you will Julian yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> I was there actually we're all, we're all going for that one um, and that's that thing I remember used to tell Faddy look, look mate, you are unbelievable with the ball at your feet running at people but when you've got your back to the goal you're, you're okay you're nowhere near as good I mean, he wouldn't have it because he wanted to play centre hook forward. So why can't why would Conte, who obviously knows his onions as well, in a in a coaching sense, describe picking a centre forward as, as suicidal in this game? I understand it because he he needed a kind of strength to the when we were really high up when we were doing the commentary, so you could get an overview of what the team looked like when they didn't have the ball. And for all you're talking about different systems, it was an absolutely clear four five, big big gap one. There was nine players between the ball and the goal. So if you play it in that way, you can actually do it that way. You can get the 4-5-1, they can go in really, really close. Maybe slightly harder to do it in another way when you play Hazard and he's not a natural 
defender in that sort of area. It may well be that's part of it as well. But I'm not always one to believe 100% what managers always say. Mm. And to say that, people will think, oh, well, he'll not play a centre-forward in the next game over in Nou Camp. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, the best Chelsea performance of the season was away in Spain against Atletico Madrid, where they did win, albeit with a stoppage time winner from a player who's no longer there, Mishibashwai. But the centre-forward play then, Morata, with Morata and Hazard buzzing around him, mm. was one of the big big factors in that game. All right. Second leg coming up in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Three weeks. Do you think it's enough, the 1-1, James? I would never back against Conte um, being able to kind of level that kind of playing field. Um, I think that it's still it's still an open tie mm. um, just because I don't think Barcelona have that explosiveness. I think one of the things that they did well last night, on Tuesday night, sorry, was they, a lot of the time, stopped players like Messi from turning, stopped Messi from basically being able to accelerate, took the pace out of the game. Um, I think they'll need to do that again on uh, in three weeks' time. Who's more at risk, them or Man United with their goalless draw? Well, at, least no Chelsea, goal. at least Chelsea showed a threat against Barcelona. Um, yeah, still, but at least there was some aware. intent there. <sighs> it's one of those Mourinho performances. I don't know why people are surprised. I, you can be disappointed, and I think they were dreadful in 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 the way of for for, for non non attacking performance. But that's why that's why he does. You knew before that they were going to go there, and just shut shut everything down. And he probably didn't think they would concede that many chances actually, because they, you know they got lucky not to have considered one or two, mm. one especially on that save by De Gea. But right. but I think the plan was always to to be like that. I know Absolutely. it's sad. I know if I was well, a United no, the- fan, I would be really really angry. But that's the way. That's why he does. And there is a rationale behind it, but I think anyone who's seen the amount of goals that Sevilla have been conceding this season oh. reckon that maybe there was a missed opportunity there. David Prescott says, can somebody wax lyrical about David De Gea for a bit and try and forget about Mourinho's alleged feud with whoever it is he's feuding with this week? I think we know who he's <laughs> feuding with at the moment. But let's talk about De Gea. Only four United starters have more touches of the ball than their keeper. Wow. Uh, and he produced a couple of amazing saves. Although, we might suggest a little bit later on that Allison's were even better. Oh, yeah, perhaps. I mean, it was Wednesday night was about the goalkeepers, Allison for Roma and De Gea for, for United. I think for De Gea, those two big saves came back to back, and they were quite they were quite similar. Um, but what does it say about United that De Gea, wonderful goalkeeper though he is, arguably the best in the world, is their best player every year for more or less the last what, four or five years for a club like Man United? I mean, that's it can't keep it can't keep coming back to this, um, particularly when they spend 105 million on Pogba, when they spend what they did on Lukaku, when they've when they've just beaten Manchester City to Alexis Sanchez's signing, when they've got Anthony Martial. Why are we coming back to this all the time? Well, if they've got the best keeper or one of the best keepers in the world, why shouldn't he be? Well, no, player? but but he should he shouldn't be their standout player, the one who catches your eye. Um, Something's going wrong if he's involved in that much action. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Do you want to talk about De Gea or do you want to talk about the sad media obsession with Paul Pogba? <laughs> Even when the manager leaves him out of the biggest game, his, his biggest signing at the club, and, and, and leaves him out of the biggest game of the year, even then people still talk about well, it. I'm, kind of, I'm very intrigued by him because, you know, having watched his capabilities and what he's capable of, you know, he can be a colossus 
um, somebody who makes other footballers look like under-18s when he's playing against them because he's got that those physical attributes and he's got good passes. And then I went to see him play against Newcastle United a few weeks ago and I was like gobsmacked beyond belief and I'm thinking, right, A, I really hope you're injured, mate. Or there's something the matter with you because that's awful. That's beyond awful. How, how bad he was was off the scale. And I don't mind having people having a bad day. You know, you know, Bakayoko a few weeks ago had the worst half hour in history. Um, but it wasn't that. It was something more. It was, why are you not trying? Mm. And you, it's, so it's a question of not trying, you think? Well, I thought that. And then I was slight. I mean, I really thought, because I, I, I won't go and shout something, because I remember it was like as a player. That's one of the things if you're asked to be a pundit. One of the reasons being, well, probably the only reason is you kind of were there. You're supposed to give insight, not just nonsense, which anyone can say. And one of the insights is, why, when you have a deal like that, why did you have it? Mm. Now, one of the things is you're playing with injury, which is quite common. Another thing quite commonly is problems at home. I mean, with that extremely odd a performance. And actually, in fact, illness is the other one. He gets left out next game through illness, and you're thinking, he was almost certain. I would hope he was ill. And that was what's wrong with him. And it was working on him and didn't have any, any energy. I hope that's the case because it was that bad. Pat, let's go to our Pogba correspondent, oh. <laughs> Julian Laron. His uh, Paris brother. Yeah. <laughs> Paris born and bred kids. What's going on? Th- no, he was morning, injured in that game. I was told he was injured. He, yeah, we were told he was injured. And then we were told he was he was, he was was ill the next yeah. match. And no, just today, Grant Wall, uh, Wall of uh, Sports Illustrated uh, reports that Mino Raiola has been shopping him around top European clubs. Mm. It, there has been a succession of players, of creative midfield players who have failed to fit into the Mourinho mindset and have subsequently moved on. Mm. Is that the future for Pogba? I, d- I don't think so. I was, I was told that he didn't want to leave, that he wanted to stay at United. He was very happy going back. Things are not working right now, but things don't always work well, through these, the whole season. These the, the, stories that came out in the French press last week that Mourinho was describing as lies, lies and, and yeah. more lies about him wanting to leave. Um, it was not about him leaving. It was a bit about him regretting coming back, okay. which again, I was told that was not true. Okay. It's, a, it's a tough one, but yesterday, in the daytime, I said to myself, Pogba is going to be on the bench tonight and I can guarantee you that Mourinho, to make a point, is going to play three midfields. And guess what happened? And for me, that's the most childish attitude that a manager can have. Why would you make a point like this? In a game like that, of dropping him, because he was dropped, because he could have started, and then, when you've never played him in a, in a three midfield, oh, hardly, okay, Everton, and surprisingly enough, he was very good in that game because he was playing on the left of a three midfield. And then, guess what? You play, you play three midfield without him where you've always played him in a two midfield. And that, the game where you play three midfield, you drop him for Scott McTominay, who is a good kid. And Mourinho clearly loves saying to everyone that he's a good kid. Mm-hmm. Also because it's good for Mourinho, who apparently never plays yeah. kids and never develops kids, to be, you know, be seen to be giving this kid at United a chance. Um, so let's, but, let's, see, let's see at the weekend. If, one, if he keeps the three midfield, which he might do against Chelsea or, mm. or not, and let's see what he does with Pogba then. Because if he if he goes back to two in midfield with Pogba and Matty Chin, I mean, they, this would be just, this would be special. This game, though, I mean, even in the Mourinho mindset, was this a good performance? That's what he does in the big away games in Europe. But was it a good performance? Did he get what he wanted? Yes, he only wants one thing. Nothing more. He just wants a result. And he gets the result he needed. I think he'd be completely and utterly delighted by it. 
Oh, yeah? I think, yeah. And it's just what Julian was saying. His initial comments about this were spot on. You know, he's got that result. He'll get it back to Old Trafford. Everyone forgets everything else. Having watched Mourinho all through the time very, very closely in his two occasions at Chelsea, result is in. Everything, nothing else matters But is nil-nil away a good result? No away goals? Sevilla could nick one at, at Old Trafford? But they believe they can get that. They can believe they can dominate it at Old Trafford. No, they might not. And if they come up with a bad performance, be fair, look at United's home form, it's okay. They tend not to lose too many games at home. So the odds are all on his side without a shadow of a doubt. And I think he believes he's got enough there to do it. Um, he might have to be a little bit open, but he's got enough players to bring in and do that in the home game. And I, I'm perfectly confident. I've watched Mourinho for too long. He knows how to win games. He knows how to win ties. Like nobody else. Mm. Well, Sunday's clash, of course, will be against Chelsea. They get on really well, them two men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Narrative klaxon. Uh, we'll be busting oh, that one great. out later on. Well, let's have a quick pause and then maybe we'll address the other big game that's taking place on Sunday and the big game that one of the sides involved in it has just come out the wrong side of. Chelsea 2 to on up to Old Trafford this Sunday for what's bound to be a friendly reunion between Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte. And never mind what happens on the touchline on the pitch, if you put a bet on with Paddy Power and Alexis Sanchez scores for United, you'll get your money back as a free bet, even if Chelsea win. T's and C's apply, so head to paddypower.com to find out more. Applies to losing first, last and goal scorers, correct scores and what odds Paddy markets only. Maximum free bet is £10 and applies to the customer's first bet on the game. Retail included. 18 plus only and please be gambleaware.org. Jules, what was the last gig you went to? Wow. Coming to you next, Jim. That's the last gig I went to. Yeah. It was when I was still in Paris. So that's a long time. I don't think I went to a gig in since I moved to London. Really? I think it was it's when, not a big I, music town. when I visited a social club. <laughs> no, but then you you know you get ch- you have children, you do this. I'm uh, not you know. When I visited a social club, maybe? oh yeah, did yeah, you? Which was amazing. Compe Segundo and yeah. that yeah. right. Got you. What about you, Horno? I went to see a guy called Alex Cameron in Camden. He I'd, always has to show up, doesn't he? I really recommend his oh album, Force Wars. Really? It's one of the best albums I've heard in a he long time. What kind of genre well. is Alex Cameron? Uh, it's quite best thing a song when they like that. Are huh? you familiar with him? No, no, I'm not. Oh, yeah. uh, it's kind of like an American kind of, it's very alternative American kind of... Uh, mm. It's 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 very funny music actually. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, producer Ben tells me that you had tickets for Adele, which you cancelled. Yeah, but that wasn't me. Uh, that was you. That, that was, was you. That was, Adele that was my my you wife and her Adele. two two best friends from Paris who came Adele. over oh, yeah. and basically okay. said, "We've got you one," and I was like, "I don't want to go." And yeah. thankfully, she cancelled because oh, she had her. The, yeah. What's your favorite voice? Adele song? What's your favorite Adele song? <laughs> While they're discussing that pack, can I just ask you, is it true that you once asked to be taken off at half-time so you could see New Order play live? I've always been quite mixed up with that because around about the same time, the same week, the Cocteau Twins were playing oh. in the same venue. Did I do it to go and see New Order or Cocteau? Elizabeth Cocteaus? Fraser. Yeah. Wow. And I, I think it was probably New Order, so yes, it was half-time. I, right. I, I asked to be taken <laughs> off and I was taken off and I went to the gig. That's Edgemundo-esque. You think of the opprobrium that was heaped on him for having that uh, carnival clause nice in head, his contract. There's a nice headline in that, but the actual story itself is much more mundane. Go on then. Um, I did want to see that gig. Yeah. Uh, I had done my pre-season work. I was a fanatical fitness kind of guy, and I'm still a distance runner at it anyway. So fitness wasn't a thing. It was the last pre-season game of okay. the season. Right. 
and I was in good night. It was a great night, and I was just about to sign a new contract. And then just before I put the pen to paper, I went, "Nope, not signing it. I want to go and see a gig on Wednesday night." <laughs> <laughs> and the manager and the chairman, Ken Bates, went, "What?" <laughs> where, where were where were the other players? It was, it was um, Festival Hall, Royal Festival Hall. Oh, nice. So okay. I had to get from Brentford to the Royal Festival Hall, and yeah, that's that's quite quick with my little green MGB GT at the time. Wow, living the dream, eh? <laughs> Absolutely. Swinging was the London. gig worth it? Was it, was it good? Of course. Yeah. They were great yeah. at that. <laughs> was, and if it was Cocteau's at the time, it would have been even better because oh, I was a, yeah. fin, a huge fan of the Cocteau Twins. Actually, the Cocteau Twins is a better one. By the way, are we on air just now? Oh, yeah, very <laughs> much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Not, not related, curiously, to the Cocteau Twins. Well, Elizabeth and Robin are were married at the time, yeah. anyway. And but, Simon but no, was... She's siblings. Sorry, anyway, related. <laughs> yeah, um, well, oddly, last gig I saw since you're... Too polite to ask was Depeche Mode at London Stadium. Here's thoughts of one critic on the mode. I never thought the Depeche Mode had much to offer. It all too Simple often lines. seems obvious and uninspired. They fill in a comfortable little niche for twelve year old girls who are beyond Nick Kershaw and Howard Jones, but not up to new order. I hope the lead singer has stopped trying to look like Jim Kerr as he hasn't quite got what it takes. Scathing words there. And at the time there was a level of truth. <laughs> of twenty one year old Pat Nevin. So you wrote that? Yes. Yeah, wow. In 1984, you know for whom, Jules? No. The NME. Oh, wow. Back when the NME was the NME. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I mean, big. that was a, a proper paper. 84, I would have been religiously reading that and, yeah. and going, you yeah, know, to push mode for 12-year-old girls. I was always a fan of, of the mode, even you know, even back in the days of, um, of Vince Clark. Also, by the way, in your singles review... But by the way, I'm allowed to at some point back myself. I've Go on then. That yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Sorry. in actual fact, I, that's possibly the nastiest thing I've ever said or written about anyone oh, in really? my entire life. Um, okay. And it changed my views. I stopped writing after that. Um, Did you? Reviews of anything like that. And I thought, um, they were kind of, because uh, one of the band was the Chelsea fan. And I found out later. Which um, one? Can't remember. Okay. <laughs> and I, I, I thought to myself, like, it's a shame, look, they're making, music, making the best music they could. And in actual fact, they grew into a far, far better band. But yeah. you can't go back later and go, yeah, no. they're much, much better now. And I like what they're doing. And remember, my own personal Jesus was a great track. And uh-huh. it became a heavy and a better band, something I liked. But I did think at the time they were, they were, they were finding their own style um, at the time. But you know what? It sounded nasty and it's kind of... And I didn't like myself. Pat, I'm so sorry to have brought that up. Do you oh. think they tacked that review to their dressing room yes. war? I hope so. Every gig. Every so. gig. They were saying, like, Pat Nevin, we hate you for what you wrote. And right. to be fair, I apologised to them afterwards. Right. You know, and it's the nastiest thing I have ever you, you say that's the nastiest thing you ever wrote, but I'm looking through what you put about Sammy Hagar's Two Sides of Love. And... No, but that's deserved. <laughs> that's deserved. He <laughs> was not a Chelsea fan, so that's, that's OK. This is great. What I didn't expect, this is great. I love your background work here. I didn't expect to bring out some old sort of reviews that I did millions of years ago. Um, but, you know, fair enough. I, I accept it. It was written at a time, but I've done a lot of writing since. So did they get I, in touch? Uh, no, no, they, I think they did an interview afterwards and they were, they were a bit gutted by it. And mm. I, 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 I won't like, mention you in an interview. <laughs> think That's did, brilliant. Yeah. And no, it's, yeah, but there you go. And, about, anyway, they've, mm. they've done quite well. Who? Well done, Dave Mode. and Depeche. They've done, they've done exactly. a lot of Well lot done, of them. And I'll be honest with you, yeah. I have played a Depeche Mode song when I've DJed once. Personal it was probably, Yeah, it was Personal Jesus. All right. yeah. I, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, if, if any of the mode are listening I'm a huge there's only three of them left so because one left he you know exited the uh, huge fan uh, just talking about what we write and reviews and oh, stuff yeah. like that um, I've got a funny story about Rod Fanny the, uh, the, the Marseille defender 
I know. Uh, because believe it or not, he played for France a couple his, of his times. His middle name is Dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> Rod Dodgy Fanny. Um, he played for France a couple of times and that one game against Austria and... Uh, for Le Parisien on that night, I was doing the ratings for the players. And after the game, we went to a restaurant, one of the few still open late, you know, run, run in the morning in Paris. And, uh, and as we were leaving, uh, Rod Fanny was there with his agents. And we had the papers of the following day because we dropped by the, the, news, the newspaper and the, the, the printers and everything. So we got the papers and they said, oh, is that Le Parisien? Tomorrow's Le Parisien. So he said, yes. And he said, oh, can we have one? I said, yeah, of course. We gave him one. And then in the car, I did think, what, what was his rating? Oh, two out of ten. Two out of ten. Send one of the worst performances I've ever seen of a French player. And I just gave him that paper. I got a phone call literally five minutes later of Rod Fanny and his agent insulting me, saying that next time they'd see me, they'd kill me. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. It was, it was the most... written, a, it was written the, a review since. It was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Because I just gave it to him like, yeah, 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 have the paper. You know, that's tomorrow's paper. Have, have it. It's quite right. cool to have it before everyone else. Right. He never played again after okay, that. Yeah. So I guess Raymond Domenech at the time probably agreed with me that he was just a dreadful player. Oh, maybe he just had the wrong start sign. Okay. Like, yeah. well, I tell you what, Pat. <laughs> speaking of terrific records, uh, that's what Man City had until last Monday when they faced Wigan in the FA Cup. Now, this may seem like ancient history, but with all the Champions League that's gone on in the meantime... But that's since we last spoke. And it absolutely, I think, caught everyone by surprise. Certainly seemed to catch Wigan by surprise. Apparently they didn't even bother watching the draw when they were took because they didn't think they'd be in the next round. They'd got Southampton. Um, when they were going through their team talk, what Greg was saying about how they could beat Man City, they just ended up laughing when they saw the video of the, of the opposition. And yet 1-0. How did it happen, Pat? Um number of reasons. Um Wigan obviously had to ride their luck at various points. Um, Wigan did a couple of really intriguing technical things through the game. Mm. Um, a lot more... Th- too many teams play against Man City now, and it's a wee bit like the Barcelona thing, time's gone by. Oh, my God, they're fantastic. We'll sit back and try and defend. OK, you're going to get beat, right? <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Try something odd. They changed the system, I think, three times in the first half. Um, I think one was forced and the other two weren't. So, I mean, really quite noticeable. And it, and it kind of slightly upset the rhythm of the City players at that point in time. All this stuff coming out about the uncertainty and the kind of lightness and, you know, poor old Wigan. I'm not buying it at all. Cause How I, do you mean? Because I know the manager. Paul Cook and I played together. Right. Uh, and he's super good manager. I mean, he's an exceptionally good tactical manager. Have a, it's, he's using that kind of oh, poor little us to put other people off. He's already, he's good enough to be already thinking about the next round uh-huh. to put Southampton, Southampton it is, isn't it? Yeah. Put them into a kind of, kind of mode Complacent. of, it'll be fine, yeah. Yeah, it'll be okay. Absolutely not. Cookie's not like that. Cookie's far, far, far too savvy for that. Um, I thought what the tactically was good, carried a lot, all that sort of stuff. Everyone's talking about, you know, the what Pep do- says, Pep okay. does to him. The, the deaf one, you know, he could well, have... Well, the red it. card, it presumably yes. had a big influence uh, on Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. I'm, I, I think that's fine, giving a red card for that, you know. Right. Sometimes you get yellow, sometimes you get a red, but if you go in with your studs like that and both feet off the ground, mm-hmm. you have to take it. But take nothing away from Cookie. My most interesting thing, that was always a, a personal thing in these situations, well done with the tactics, got the luck, but that's a good team. He's a hell of a good manager and he will be a Premier League manager. Promise you that now. He's definitely good enough and that's going to happen. If, if he had been a famous footballer of Man United or Chelsea, he would be a manager in the Premier League by now. He's but, knocked out three Premier League clubs. Yeah. yeah. And have a look at his history run, yeah. with the other teams he's been. He's quality, right? So 
First of all, what, don't fall for that. What, okay, point taken. What did he do then? Could you pick out one tactical thing that he did to Man City? I mean, I've done what a lot of other people do. They crowded areas for a period uh-huh. of time. Uh, they changed it. You know, they went four four two at one point in time, which was obviously that was after the, they went down to ten men. So it's a wee bit brave. But nobody does that against Man City. Even with ten men, teams aren't brave enough usually to do that against mm. Man City. So it's twisting it on its head. And I like managers who, because we've all got um, a, a specific area, a mode, a style that football is going, and everyone kind of goes with it. And you're sitting there watching it, going. Yeah, well, can we ignore that and go somewhere else? And that's why you get Pep changes football when he does what he does at Barcelona. And that's why Josie, when he changed things, when he did various things, particularly when he went to Real Madrid and he had to find a way past Barcelona. So I like people to look things in a different way. And there's very, there aren't that many managers that do it, or mm-hmm. coaches so. that do it. And he is one of them. Yeah, think of the number of times where Pep Guardiola teams have gone down to 10 men and they've made it look like the opponent is the team that is down to 10. Yeah. And if you look at the second half uh, of that game, City had no chances, really, yeah. which is unusual. I remember watching Bayern play Man City down to 10 men and completely destroyed City, even though they had a man disadvantage. So for Wigan to do that, it's pretty extraordinary. What used the strengths well. Greg, to be fair, he didn't get much of the ball, but boy, did he kill them for Two running chances, angles. Yeah. yeah, but he ran them and ran them and ran them into areas that they didn't want to be, and it didn't get them that many chances to control as much of the play the way they wanted to, at the pace they wanted to. So, you know, it's one of those ones. Classically, people think, "Oh, we Wigan, well done." I, I'm not buying it. Absolutely not buying it. They're good. Why was Pep so upset with Paul Cook afterwards? Knowing Cookie, what he's like, he would be adoring of Pep. He would think that is absolutely it because. Cookie, and again, was a lovely player. His midfielder pinged the ball all over the place, a kind of almost a hoddled like type player. Not as good as him, but that type of player. But a wee bit, a right good little bit of dig about him as well. And the nice thing about him, he's a typical scouser. Like, oh yeah, I adore you, Pep, everything do, everything you do. But I won't take any BS off you at all. And he would have just went back at him because he's that type of typical. And by the way, I say scouser in the most positive sense, mm-hmm. as in I will take nothing if you try and throw it at me. And when Pep seemed to have a go, and I'm not sure if it was Pep, but his group had a go, there was no way he was going. <laughs> I mean, I just think, nah, I don't care who you are. You could be anyone. You've just had a go at me and I'm, not, I'm going to have a go back. I love that moment because I think his team would look around at him and think, right, we need to do the same. To all the players. Um, just a treble now for Man City. Uh, just. As, 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 potentially. Uh, the first part of which comes this Sunday when at Wembley. There's been a lot of fuss about shorts and whether Arsenal would have to wear red ones. The EFL press office has given this due consideration and said that both teams can wear white shorts. How much of a problem is that going to be for players and, and linesmen, <laughs> especially Pat? In actual fact, it's a one and not a million, that's an exaggeration, but it's in a very unusual situation when you find yourself turning and you don't see the top of a player's shirt and you mm-hmm. may have to make a decision of a pass on shorts and socks. And it happens, does happen now and again. It's, it's, it's rare, but it happens. But if you've got different colour socks on, so what? You should be able to see it. So don't worry socks. about the shorts. So the first thing you would look for, yeah. were you not to see a shirt, would be socks. Yeah, yeah. so you turn around as you're... Because we often turn around low and you're kind of in a low centre of gravity and you have to make that split-second pass and you will see a blur of colour. So if, if, if it's socks, then it, the shorts don't matter. The shirt you can see, that will be different. 
So I think they've actually made a fairly sensible decision there, amazingly. All right, good one. Arsenal lost 3-1, I think, to Man City last time they faced each other at the Etihad. However, they have beaten Man City twice at Wembley in the last couple of years. The Community Shield in 2014 and, less notably, uh, the FA Cup semi-final just last year. How do you feel about Arsenal's chances of continuing Man City's uh, current crisis? I look at this and I think this is something that means something to both teams. Arsene Wenger's never won this trophy, but is winning this trophy really going to change? He lost in the final against Birmingham, didn't he? Yeah. Is this trophy really going to change people's opinions about Arsenal's season? I think that's always a problem with this League Cup. Unless it's a team like Swansea who come up and, and win it. For teams of the stature of Arsenal and Manchester City, does it really influence an assessment of their season? Um, come the, partly because it happens in February. People forget about it by the time it comes around in May. And Jose Mourinho doesn't. <laughs> True. When he wins, he doesn't forget yeah. about it. But for Wenger, this will, you know, if he wins it, it will strengthen what will already, what will still be a weak case for him to stay. But unless. It's part of a double with the Europa League. Well, there's that. Yeah. It could be a bad time, though, this for Arsenal to be facing Man City. A, because they'll be coming off Thursday night's clash uh, delicately in, you know, very much in the balance clash. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal just 3-0 up in, in, in the first leg uh, there. And, and plus, Man City will be angry. Angry. Very guys. angry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it would be so Arsenal-esque and Wenger-esque to win that game against City, against Pep. You know, because this city is different than the one they faced last year in the cup semi-final. But it would be so typical of them to still defy the odds because they're clearly not favourite going mm. into the game and, and, and win it. They have an amazing record at Wembley. It's you know unbeaten in nine. That's their tenth visit in the Apart last. Apart from four when years. they went with and um, played Spurs the other day. Yeah, sorry, in cup competition, like right. you know, yeah. in the, the FA Cups or or the community shields. Um so yeah, typically I mean Aubameyang is not going to play Thursday night, obviously. Ozil is ill or on holidays in Istanbul, depend which way you want to see it. Uh-huh. Um, so could be both. Could be both. So it'd be fresh as well. Uh-huh. You think? And I think I, I think they have no Ramsey, or at least he's fifty-fifty. Yeah, Lacazette out of the picture. Yeah, although that doesn't matter so much no. anymore. Okay. But um, you know what? I would I would just just on on what Wenger can do on one game I, and the players. I, I would I would think they they're not favourite, but it's not out of their reach to to actually beat them and, and win it. Are you looking forward to this game, Pat? Yeah. I mean, I just like the ethos of Arsene Wenger, the way he tries to play football. Gets his teams to try and play football. Note the word try, because they don't always quite get to that level that he wants them to get to. And of course, Manchester City, I would I would watch them before any other team, obviously, right. just because of the players they've got uh, at the moment. When I say any other team, I mean any other team, period, at the moment. And that includes Barca, which is like sacrilegious for me to actually say that. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Facebook.com slash The Totally Football Show at 12.30 GMT on Friday is the place you need to be to take part in The Totally Football Quiz, Pat. Did you know that? Up for grabs this week, you could win a copy of Football Manager 2018. And this is (laughs) undoubtedly best of all, Jules. An Antoine Griezmann match issue Atletico Madrid home shirt from our best buds at classicfootballshirts.co.uk. Oh, wow. Uh, super. Anyway, that's 12.30 on, on Friday. Uh, James, Julian, Pat and myself, we're all going to be, and this is exciting, at Dublin's Vicar Street on Monday, March the 19th. 
Mm. Pat, I have yeah. to tell you that the tickets have flown out the door ever since we revealed that you would be <laughs> participating yeah. in a kind of like a dual threat role because you'll be on the panel but also spinning discs. Um, do you call it spinning disc when you just Very turn much up so. with uh, a USB and stick it in? Is that and, all that happens? Oh, no, you can bring have CDs Have you got one of those well. apps that you on the touchscreen, you go... I, I, I was DJing recently um, in Manchester about two weeks ago and it was a bunch of kind of... Um, Techie people from media that were doing it, so there were five DJs for the night. Okay, there were only about sixty people there, but there was five DJs for the night, and we had five different decks, and not one of them took CDs. Never mind vinyl; they were all USBs. Right. Oh yeah, and it was amazing to see all them bringing all this technical equipment. But you still do that thing where you queue up the records, no? But just virtually, is that right? Um, yes, exactly. So it's exactly the same. You just do it um, right. by computer. You can do it either Which way. Which MP3s will you be sp- not spinning, but uh, whatever the... I don't know. Can it, one of the best tricks to do is to walk around beforehand and just ask the people who are there, is there anything you'd like to hear? OK. You know, and you ask and they say... Of course, these know. days you can do that because you've got unlimited music at your fingertips. Exactly. But so, back in the day, you used to go around with a crate, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, um, yes, you would sometimes have to make sure you know your, knew what you were going to play beforehand. All right. So that was a long time ago. By the way, the final part of that is... Yeah. You ask all these people what they'd like to hear with absolutely no intention of playing anything that they say <laughs> except if they say something you were going to play anyway. And <laughs> when you play it, they think, oh, well, well done, Pat. Actually, I was going to play that anyway. <laughs> it's a bit sneaky, that, isn't it? Get, oh, get, you know. get your requests in yes, at send the Totally request. Football Show. Depeche Mode for feature. You order as well. Or yeah. Morrissey, because I believe... Kelly mm. Cates tells us you've got a great story about when you met Morrissey. But you know what, Pat, you look at your watch. Why don't you save that for the folks who actually turn up at uh, Vicar Street on March 19th? Good call. That's an absolute right. Is it a good story, by the way? Um, the edited one's is OK. Um, okay. It's a long one. She, she was, <laughs> he's a good lad, Morris. He's a very easy. good lad. But it was, um, well, did he used to be a good lad? I, my, I, to be honest, the last time I seen him was when we went round to his house and it was myself and a guy called Vinnie Riley from a oh, yeah, yeah, the column. Duretti column. Well, Vinnie was one of my best friends so, uh-huh. um, and we went round doing it. And Anyway, it involves Norman Whiteside losing his licence in the um, It's a long, strange, so weird man. So Moz is a good egg? That much you can... No, at, at the time I thought it was all right. When, what date are we talking about here? 90, 90s, uh, 91, 92, something. I don't oh, know, okay. around about then. Um, and it was fine, it was fine. It was dead interesting. Um, I was an OK Smiths I wasn't a big, massive Smiths fan. You know, right. I just thought they were OK. 91, what would that be? That's pre-Voxel and I, isn't it? I think Vinny wrote some of the stuff for his first album after right. that. I mean, okay. it, there's a great line. Okay, I'll tell you one line from it, right? Okay. So I said to my show's around your house. And he went, what? I went, gosh, show's around your house. That's what we do in Glasgow. Um, so he went up. And one of the rooms walked into a room. And there in the room was only one thing. And it was a brand new baby grand piano. Hmm. To which, oh, that's impressive. Because Vinny, being a classic and pianist as well as guitarist. And he said, oh, I didn't know you played, Moz. And Moz said, I don't. I bought it for this evening. No. That's a good line, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> wow. So we sat and watched Vinnie playing and leaning on the edge of the piano. Cracker. Anyway, that's, it's a longer story than that. All right. Wow. March 19th, few tickets remaining, so uh, get yourselves along to ticketmaster.ie to hear how that tale turned out. Uh, ooh, tell you what we haven't done, James Horncastle, is uh, address what happened in the other two Champions League matches this midweek. Roma... Mm-hmm. Uh, had their sixth successive Champions League knockout defeat, despite going <laughs> yeah. ahead away at Shakhtar Donetsk in Kharkiv. Mm. 
game of two halves. I thought Roma played really well uh, in the first 45 minutes. There perhaps should have been more than just uh, one goal to the good. Dzeko had a couple of chances, didn't take them. Beautiful assist, though, for Chinshiv... You, you pronounce it. Go on, you pronounce it. I was waiting for you to say it. Just said the undertaker. Just said the undertaker. Uh, the undertaker. Well, that's an interesting question. Who is going to be the undertaker? Because you know, it, with, with the with the Monchi programme, you expect that he's probably going to be the next... Player out the door, no, come come summer. But anyway, sorry, Chinjish under. Yeah. Okay. A second half Shakhtar with the Shakhtar that we've seen in the group stage of the Champions League, one of the yeah, best teams to watch, really. I think uh, really technically gifted, skillful side and deserved winners uh, in the end. I thought the, f- the free kick uh, to win the game was was magnificent because I don't think Allison's positioning was particularly bad. It. Um, yeah, it was just struck so well. It looked like it was going to uh, keep rising and go over the bar. And instead, it just stayed true at that last minute. Kissed the bottom of the bar. Wonderful. A lot of clubs circ- circling Alisson. No, well, circling a lot of the players on display last night. I mean, you yeah. mentioned Dunde, but Fred. You know, City were after Fred. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a mystery how some of those players, what, Tyson, yeah. Bernard, Bernard yeah. are still oh. there. In Tyson, I call them. Um, but yeah, Alisson, again, even though he conceded two goals on the night, Roma's best player. Um, if you went to, to West Ham, you could have uh, Alison Moyes. Being <laughs> 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 very idiot here. <laughs> oh, now also in the Champions League, Bayern Munich, what was that, 5-0 against Besiktas? Yeah. We knew before there would be no point to that game. There was no point, even less point after Vida was sent off early on for that stupid foul on, on Lewandowski. I mean, Bayern, I don't even think played that well and they won 5-0. It's their 14th win in a row in all competition, which equaled their best record ever from 1990 wow the they, last do you know who the last team to beat your pinkers in the Champions League was no Arsenal in March oh, 2013 God. wow yeah. but if they win against Erta, oh but wasn't that after they'd won the yeah, first oh, leg by yeah, an course. absolute mile yeah yeah sorry that, <laughs> I'd forgotten no but yeah good, it was but if they, beat, if they beat Erta on Saturday yeah they would, this would be the the best Bayern Munich team ever in terms of consecutive wins wow which again, I don't think is. I don't Not think they. Yeah, no, I think they're very good, but yeah. I don't think. And Raphael Honigstein, our friend, yeah. says it as well. Is uh-huh. that um, the fact that he rotates a lot, the fact that his strongest eleven have not played much with each other, that you also have aging, you know, Ribery and Robin, who by the way didn't start the game. Yeah. Muller playing in. Yeah, Muller and Coman, who did really well, I thought Kingsley. So it's an interesting time, but they're doing so well. But you can still feel, sorry, Pat, that they, they can improve far more even, even before the end of the season. It's not a slightly wider dis- discussion of uh, just the money going all to the top, the very top of all the teams. I yeah, mean, the champions. Jules doesn't want to get on. That the Champions topic. Leagues this, see, this season now. It's just, and the reason why it hurts, it specifically hurts because of what happened to Celtic the last couple of years mm-hmm. with PSG and with the, Bar- the Barca game. You know, Celtic are a very good side. But, you know, the, the distance between the, t- the clubs now, the very top clubs, is extraordinary. And we're seeing it with a lot of big, big scores now in the Champions League. Speaking of Celtic, Pat, often we, we get a bit of criticism for our lack of coverage of Scottish football issues. We've got a big breaking story coming up very shortly, though. You know, Jim, but there was also a very interesting uh, Manchester United-Liverpool game yesterday. Voilà. In the Youth League, so uh-huh. the, the, the under-19 Champions League, with Steven Gerrard against Nicky Butt, both oh, on yeah. the benches, yeah. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how well English clubs have done in the Champions League this year. It's the same in, in with the under-19 teams, because Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool and Spurs have qualified for the quarterfinals of 
the under 19 uh, Champions League. Yeah. Which shows you that. International level as well. No? Yeah, yeah, which shows you, you know, the good health of English football in general. It's true. What happens at youth development? Oh, here we go. It's really difficult. And I will play this against myself. You've got a lot, big, big jump from youth development because sometimes that's just making sure you've got the best facilities in place. Now you're developing the best widest players. I played in the European Championships under 18 Scotland. We won it. Um, last trophy Scotland ever won. And uh, Where was that, Pat? In Finland. Okay. And I got player of the tournament. And look what happened to me. We beat Holland, who had Van Basten in their game. It's not what you do under 18s, guys. It's what you do after that. Yeah, so they keep on going. And okay, it's good to see them doing well. Yeah, it's no, great no, it's to, I, mean, I, I agree with you. But it's great are, to see them doing well. But that's just a stepping stone. And I think people do forget that. It's a stepping stone. I hear it all the time that, you know, yes, work on youth development, but much more important than that is it's not winning trophies, it's producing good players. Listeners, starting up the Totally Football Show was a hairy business. Fortunately, Cornerstone have been with us every step of the way. Why? Because they're in the business of making hairy things smooth, like your face. Cornerstone's award-winning blades will give you the smoothest shave possible. And their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see the range for yourself, get £10 off your first order and have it delivered right to your door. And you'll find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. Jules, you have a quiz question for us, is that right? Yes, I do actually. Uh, Sergio Ramos scored last night for... Real Madrid on mm. Wednesday night against Leganes. Mm. Guess how many goals he scored for Real Madrid since joining Real Madrid from Sevilla all those years ago? How many goals? I'll tell you what, let's come back to that later on in the show, Jules. Yeah. Pat, you've got a quiz question. question as well? Yeah. Go on then. I've just thought one. Top three in England of players' goals per minute on the pitch. Of active players? Um, in, in this, this season. season. This, this season, season. Top three. I'm going to give you one and two. Go Mo on. Salah? No, it turns out not. Oh. So it turns out number one is uh, Harry Kane. Okay. And yeah, number yeah. two is Aguero. Okay. And then there's a number three. There's a number three. For minutes on the pitch, to go it'll be somebody scored. who's played in, in one match field. or something. No, no, he's played in a few. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll get the answer to that later on as well. Um, and now to Chelsea's. Coming up Sunday at four o'clock. Ross says Will Conte and Josie have a fight on Sunday? And if so, will it be better than the game? Oh Ross, I'm yeah, disappointed Ross. with that. I'm not. Why? <laughs> I'm not. I'm with him. You know what? I think I think Jose is the kind of guy. You remember at school who was w- winding people up all the time, and when one was finally going, okay, let's have a fight, and then he would run away. He will run away. He would run away. Whereas I think Conte Even would go Arsene straight Wenger in. Had him. Conte would go straight in. Conte would pull hair and do all those like dirty mm, tricks. Well, he might need it. Hey, come would, on, he Jose would. He would. Jose is poke someone in the eye. <laughs> And then run away. And then run away. <laughs> yeah, but... So, um, no, seriously, any just... chance of it getting tasty on the touchline? Because I would, I would so watch that. Why don't they just like make this a pay-per-view event and have the game kind of, you know, as a, an add-on or a... Support? I mean, that's the stuff of science fiction, but yeah. is there a genuine chance that these two will just kick off on the sideline? Well, we saw it in the... And have in, a pitch-clearing brawl. In the first one Stamford Bridge, the, the 4-0, where, where Jose went up to him and said, you know, stop running up the score, stop celebrating like this, stop mm. trying to humiliate me. Um... Will anyone be running up the score at Old Trafford, do you think, this Sunday? They've been quite close since then. They've been sort of one nils. I think the three three of the last four have ended that way in Chelsea's in Chelsea's favour. Curious to see if, if Conte sticks with the approach that he did against Barcelona. I'm not sure. I won't be surprised if we see Morata come back for this game. But from United's point of view, again I think they need to they need to show that they can they can be different 
um, against the top six, really. You know, when it comes to when it comes to their approach, it's, um, a, it's a delicate game for Chelsea as well. They're only one point ahead of Spurs in the race for a top four finish. What do you think, Pat? Is it going to be a good one? Uh, I don't know about a good game. I mean, not you can't always hope for a good game, um, and Josie does close down games like that. Yeah. So I don't think you can always do that. I think it would be interesting. You asked the question right at the start there. I, I actually said it in the thing I was talking about last night. If you put a camera on the dugouts, I'd watch that just as quickly because I think it'll be interesting what they do. I don't think they will come to any festicuffs or anything like that. That's because, good. Oh, well, purely nobody because, likes to see that. Well, Mourinho's not stupid because he'd be <laughs> battled. It's <laughs> yeah. as simple as that. And the thing is, Mourinho's so, so clever at these things. He's a genius at these things, at working in these situations. And he nibbles and he nicks and he kind of has a go remember exactly the point you were talking about he had a word um, with Conte and Conte went like I care and just gave him the eyes as if to say don't even come near me again and since then did you notice this week the comments from Josie haven't been about Conte oh, really? no the comments ah. this week have been about Pep again mm. he's having a little nip at Pep at the moment just now about the the way these players were after Wigan I don't think he'll have a go at Conte. I don't think he can. I think he'll just step back from that one. Fancy Chelsea's chances, Jules? Yeah, I fancy a big open game. Loads of chances, <laughs> loads of goals. Like a 3-3 or 3-2 for United with, you know, Jose putting Pogba in the midfield three and Martial as a number nine and Lukaku on the bench and... Alex is finally doing something good for United as well. What do you mean finally doing something good? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what the assist well? for Lukaku last week was, was superb. Okay, I'll give you that, yeah. But he's I not perhaps t- been the game changer that you that we thought he was going to be. No, that was a very well, good. Actually, I'd forgotten about the assist. That was really good. Before that, I was only thinking about the Yeovil game. One goal in six, isn't it? Yeah, one in six. Okay. Are you more excited about Liverpool's clash with West Ham on Saturday? Yes. Four one. Liverpool won at the London Stadium. I, I would think- love to see these yes. two veteran fullbacks, Pablo Zabaleta and Uncle Pat Evra, oh my God. go up Imagine. against Mohamed Salah Imagine. and Sadio Mane. <laughs> if that happens, I, I might well switch onto that. <laughs> sure, surely West Ham will play five at the back and just try not to give them any space, no? Because you can't... If you go with Uncle Pat and Uncle Pablo, well, you're going to get destroyed. And the back four, you're going to get murdered. What's David Moyes going to do, Pat? Uh, yeah, he'll be sensible about it. He'll try and play in the break as much as he can he'll pack it out as much as he possibly can again I think Moises had a decent season mm-hmm. I think yeah. he's done really well since he came into West Ham um, he's had a couple of really difficult moments you know when things have gone well and he's had to deal with you know things that are more political and I think he's dealt with them quite well I'm considering I hate to bring it back up again you know the difficulty after the interview last year uh, with the, the women oh, who yeah. did the interview that was a very very tricky time and and I don't think it was any nastiness in David at the time, but he was under massive pressure. But uh, he's not really had a misstep since then. And I'm completely and utterly biased because he's been a mate since I was 13. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so I'm that's totally like, biased. No, 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 that's, that's lovely. So he's a, he's, he is a nice chap. I know. I've got every respect for him. I mean, he was a year above me in the boys' club that we played for. And I remember we played a game and I scored a few goals. I was a centre forward back then. Mm-hmm. And I have to, but I'd seen this guy was coming in to try and half me in two. And I jumped out the way, you know, which is something I never did in my entire career. You get injured when you do things like that. But I knew he was trying to hit me. And uh, at half time, there comes the captain of the under-14s walking straight across the pitch, grabbed me by the scruff of my shirt and said, never, ever do that again. Never, ever show any weaknesses. He's 14. What 14-year-old acts as a proxy manager for the under-13s? Where it's just the weirdest. And he had this kind of... 
MGR written across his forehead when he was that age. He had, he was going to be a manager. He just always had it. But he was massively respected even as a kid. So he just always had that about him. And, and I, I did like him a, a huge amount. Um, he had a really decent career. But he was that was just getting in the way before he became a manager. Did you ever go to a gig with him? I don't think we'd like the same type of music. What kind of music does I don't know. I, okay. I absolutely don't know. I once did nearly take Alec McLeish, who's a new Scotland manager, at a gig. I remember telling him he got to see a band and he kind of laughed his head off when I told him the name of the band. Who, who was the band, Pat? Uh, the Justified Ancients of Moon. Oh, yeah, the Jams or the yeah. KLF. Correct, the, thank you, yeah. thank you. They became the KLF and I mm. used to tell people about the Jams and they were going, you're just being stupid with these stupid names. And, no, no, they're really, really good. Well, that's not the, the cheapest name in pop at that time. There was also Grab Grab the Haddock, probably remember that. From Scotland, yes. Yeah, yeah. Grab Grab the Haddock. Oh, yeah, yeah very much so. <laughs> Fine Young Cannibals who came out a similar time. I remember that enemy front front cover was was Grab Grab the Haddock and Fine Young Cannibals. And I did think, now you're just getting stupid. <laughs> I, 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 give, I give you flux of pink Indians. <laughs> see, them I'm not familiar with. <laughs> there was um, lots. But football, Jules, football. Yes. Anyway, so that was uh, Liverpool-West Ham. Also this weekend, Leicester taking on Stoke. That's the early kickoff on Saturday. Bournemouth and Newcastle, that Newcastle team fresh from their victory over uh, Man United, whereas the Cherries coming off an absolute shocker against Huddersfield. And speaking of Huddersfield, they're going to be visiting the highest stadium in the Premier League, the Hawthorns, to take on West Brom that Saturday Afternoon, it was 1 0 to Huddersfield back at their gaff in November. And of course, uh, West Brom's still dealing with all the fallout from their European jaunt and subsequent defeat and all that kind yeah. of thing. Parts yeah. can't really afford to sort of penalise those players and drop them now, you know, make an example of them. Mm. But um, I think this game from the, the reverse fixture was just completely emblematic of, of, of why West Brom are where they are. Can't beat teams around them. And also, um, anyone for stop. Uh, yeah, but also, <laughs> but, 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 Liverpool in the cup. But they had a man yeah, advantage in this do. game for much of the second half, and they they, they couldn't they couldn't make it count. Uh, Leroy had an amazing stat on Monday: Alan Pardew's Premier League wins only seven in the last fifty-one matches. But there's still some people who thought it was a good idea to appoint him as a manager at West Brom. Well, so you know, because he'd rescued, he turned yeah. things around, turned the tables, as it were, like it, Pat does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, at <laughs> Crystal Palace. Yeah, he's turning the tables well. Uh, West Bromwich. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll we'll move on. Uh, this week on Galazzo, what are we talking about this week, James? Roberto Baggio. Roberto Baggio. So there's that, and we also touch on a big game coming up this weekend in Serie A, which is uh, Roma against Milan. They've got. Uh, uh, Ludogorets uh, coming up in the Europa League. Other matches to look out for this weekend in Serie A include. Inter facing Benevento. Who would be the favourite for that one, do you think? Benevento have just won 3-2. Mm. Still clutching with their fingernails at the prospect of survival. Looks improbable, but... Well, Sandra and Bakri Sanya, can they do it again? Wow, 11 points, still the gap between them. Still and long. safety, one to watch that. The San Siro, uh, the venue, is, as Inter hosts them. Uh, Juve taking on Atalanta. Napoli, who are a point ahead. And I think one nine straight, is it, in Syria? Uh, they are at Cagliari, which actually is going to be a tough game. That's Monday evening. Other Italian news, Ranieri said that he would quit Nantes if the Azuri job is available. Which it is. <laughs> which, it, which it is. If he's, if he's asked to come and uh, take over. And then, and then Non said, if, if, if they offer him the job, we, we will let him go. Oh, well, really? And he would have gone anywhere. Decorated. Yeah. Right. 
In France, Jules, arguably there's a bigger fixture than any of those aforementioned games, and it is... The word two, even. Two? It's a Super Sunday on Sunday. No way. The two biggest games in French okay, football history. Sunday is Dimanche, so what alliterative uh, adjective do you employ? Oh, for, well, oh, for Super... Oh, okay, right. so... Dimanche Deluxe. De, oui. Yeah, Deluxe <laughs> Dimanche. Nice one, that's the one I was going to say. Because you've got PSG Marseille, obviously, the classic, and also Lyon Saint-Etienne. So the Rhone derby. Okay, because I've got a question about Saint-Etienne. Hold on. <clears throat> this is from Jake Hughes. He says, to Julien just in case anybody else wanted to pitch in. Can he explain Saint-Étienne's form in Ligue 1 this season? They typically qualify for the Europa League, started this season with four wins from the first six, then just three wins between August and the end of January. Now mid-table again. What's going on, Jules? Well, the uh, former manager fell out with the boards. I think fell out with a lot of the players who thought he was working them too hard. You know, in France, as Joe Barton used to say, we be lazy and we don't really work hard enough. Carlo Ancelotti was saying that, which... I was taking the mic. And then after that, it was literally like they were going down and down and down and down. They finally, I think, found a bit of stability. Um, it's sort of like half mid-table. Uh, but they got battered 5-0, remember, at home by Lyon in the reverse fixture mm. of that derby. And it could be, although Lyon are not in good shape right now, but it could be a similar story on, on Sunday. All right. Pat, what did you make of Saint-Étienne's latest release? Did you enjoy that at all? If I had any idea what it was, I would do an up to it. Do you know they 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 did a new record? So I thought I actually thought for a second you were talking about a football team. Oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was just—it's a mistake we often make. I was just, <laughs> I and was it's just, the first time in history I've actually tried to talk about football before music. Right, it's never happened before. But so, so um, did you enjoy it? The new album? I actually haven't heard it yet. Have you um, not? But recent, the previous stuff, obviously the original stuff, is uh, quite a big fan of. Actually, yeah, I was a fan of Sanetti and the football team as well. Everybody yeah. seemed yeah. to Everyone be, yeah. Them, yeah. Purely because it was back because I was at the European Cup final. Yeah, yeah. in so Glasgow, six, yeah. When, which was a really fabulous, magical night, and they got beat, didn't they, in the end? Yeah. The square, but the square, square posts, yeah, yeah. and at Hamden Park. But the lovely thing was, was sixty thousand Scotsmen all singing. And Glasgow accents, Ali Lever, because obviously they were in green. It was all Celtic yeah. fans that were there. At the time. Right. But it was a great game, and they had a right good team at the time. They oh, played they really have. good football. Who, who yeah. did they play that night? Bayern Munich. It was, it was, it was Uli Hoeneß who won that game. Yeah. That shows you the main place tricked me because I thought it was Borussia Mönchengladbach. They hit the crossbar, and because there was square post on the crossbar, mm. they said in Saint Etienne that the ball would have bounced in the goal had it been round like it is now, but because it was square, it bounced it out. So they bought the post to put in the museum for 20,000 euros. So you could that find was, those posts. That was Jack Santini, park. wasn't it? Yeah, Santini yeah. and Batne. Batne hit the bar. Hey, of interest, what year was it? 76. What age were you? I was not born yet. Exactly. Sure. It's, it's the game that everybody knows in France. That they talk, they, they, and they, I was they there. Talk about it. Yeah, they talk and talk about it. Yeah, so it's it's why they're a more great. mythical team than PSG, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and they've won so many titles and they had so many stories like, you know, fraud and, and they went bankrupt and they had so many great players, Michel Platini obviously being one of them, but Johnny others, Rep. Johnny Rep as well. And the, the colour, the green shirt, the song as well, Allez les Verts, who are the strongest, c'est les Verts and all that. It would be good for them to, to go back, but now I think the gap between them and Lyon especially, but also them and the other top clubs in France is getting bigger and bigger. It's a shame. To find out that that magical evening that I only knew as a kid yeah. is actually felt in a similar way in France. I had no idea. Yeah, well, I had huge. no idea. Because I've, I've kind of mythologised it in my own mind because I thought it was such well, a beautiful team. Well, how were you, Pat? Uh, Eight. Okay, wow. So I was a youngster and I'd, yeah. I mean, I'd watched, I'd been sitting watching a great Celtic team 
at the time, you know, they'd, you know, they'd win the European Cup, the 6-7 and 70 in the Cup final. The Gleish and all them players come through. So I was watching good players at the time. And then I watched this team come and I thought, wow, I love that style they were playing. And it was heartbreaking to see them lose that game because it, it was so unfair. And it has always stuck in my memory. And you go to see thousands of games. But I thought it was just kind of me. No, but to tell me that it's actually it's got yeah. a feeling in France that it I'm is. really happy I came here just for that. Yeah. Oh, Fans of Burnley and Southampton, I'm afraid we've run out of time to talk about your <laughs> game. Um, Brighton and Swansea are not looking good for you either. Although I do want to mention the fact that since Carlos Carvajal took over, only Spurs have won more points in the league. Wow. wow. That's impressive, isn't it? Um, I have, though, got time, Jules, to ask you about yeah. the other big game in France this weekend, which is PSG against Marseille. Yeah. And there's been a lot of fallout, a lot of fallout after... Champions League, Thiago Silva dropped mm. by Unai Emery. A lot of suggestions in, in the press that that's intended not just as a tactical move, but also as a way of weakening the Brazilian clan within the locker room. That It's almost all out war now in, um, at the club. It seems it's getting a little bit better. Unai Emery wrote a letter to, to the fans on his website yesterday saying that we have to stick all together. Thiago Silva was very positive at the weekend as well, last weekend against Strasbourg. Um, so they know that if they want to overcome the, the deficit of the first against Real Madrid, they, mm. they just need to to work together, be a team, which they really haven't been this season. Until uh, the end of the season, and then what happens? We see. But I still think Neymar is going to stay another year. But he has been a lot of the Neymar show before and not so much about the team. And I think they've realised in Madrid that you can have as good as individual as you want. Football is a team sport. And if you're not strong as a team, and if you don't defend together, if you don't attack together, if there's no team spirit then you're going to struggle in those super big games. So let's hope that between now and March the 6th, when the second leg where Pat and I will be at, at the Parc mm-hmm. de Prince, they will have that sort of unity with the crowd, with the fans, in the dressing room as well, with an Emery, and that they can turn it around. It's come down a bit now, but if, let's say, they don't win on Sunday, and then we've got another classic in the French Cup on Wednesday, so two in four days, two, two in three days, if that doesn't go PSG way, you can expect it, the fallout to be huge again and that wouldn't be good before Real Madrid. Jules, thanks for that. We've still got so many top stories to tell you about, listeners, if you've got another 10 minutes or so. Stick with us and we'll be back after this. Uh, Scottish football news. Runaway cow creates keeper crisis at Queen of the South. Queen of the South could be without a backup goalkeeper for Saturday's clash with Dunfermline after Sam Henderson was hit by a runaway cow. He was due to be on the bench this weekend, sustained a shoulder injury, struck by the speeding cow at his dad's farm. Faces a race to be... They're dangerous things, cows. A lot of people think that they're quite docile, mm. our bovine friends, but they'll, you know, if you spook them... It's not good when you walk with dogs. And yeah, you're yeah. not used to be in the countryside. Be careful. I live in the countryside in Scotland. And that's something you have to be very wary of. Cows. They're very dangerous. They are dangerous. Right. Um, in other Scottish news, Alex McLeish, of course, uh, taking the Scotland job. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on that, Pat? It kind of doesn't matter who. Because of the genetics, yeah? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say eugenics there and you're really pushing it. Um, no, but that's exactly what Gordon Strachan was suggesting, eugenics, wasn't it? I, I don't think he'd looked into it as closely possibly and scientifically as he should have done. Um, he's actually a good coach. He did a good coaching job for Scotland, uh, Gordon Strachan. Um, 
a lot of others have done fairly good coaching jobs for Scotland and everyone had a go at the last manager, the one before that, the one before that, the one before that. And you know what? I'm beginning to think it's not the coach is the problem. It might be something else. And it is the easiest thing to lop off the head of a snake as they see it. But So Alec comes in and Alex is a perfectly good and decent capable coach. He had a good period of time and when he was Scotland manager, it's behoves me to mention it again but it will they managed to beat France 1-0 over in France really? <laughs> and goal, yes. so that kind of his CV's okay the only the downside and the big downside for Art McLeish is a lot of the Tartan army haven't forgiven him uh, for walking out to go to Birmingham right. away from Scotland job uh, and that's a, a difficulty that he will have to see off and there is it's going to be very difficult for him to overcome that other than win your first game that's all forgotten completely now Watford taking on Everton Everton were much better in the 2-1 win against Palace after that horrendous uh, defeat the club against club that destabilised Watford. Yeah. You know, I was actually at that game. Which one? We talked about the Everton game um, against Palace. Oh, yeah. And before the game, obviously, Everton had a rot- terrible run, didn't they? Mm. Um, they'd been hammered by Spurs. They'd been battered by Arsenal. Mm. And the Everton fans had... A lot but they won Leicester just one against Leicester just before the Arsenal game. But yeah, by See, and so, large. No, so I think you may well be thinking the same way as I was, which is, look, Sam's just targeting certain games that he knows he can win. But the other ones that just buy the buy, you know. And uh, the Everton fans didn't like it anyway. Before the game, I said I think they'll be absolutely fine. They'll be safe. They weren't safe before Sam came in, and he'll find a way out of it. It's not going to be the prettiest football, but they've got six games in a row now, and they're going to be okay. The abuse that I got from Everton fans who were always dead nice to me after my time there was amazing. The the bad feeling towards Sam mm. at the moment with those Everton fans is, I have to admit, I was absolutely out of the loop in that one. And then tough luck if I'm out of the loop because I still think he'll do a decent job. But well, I you must amazed. be used to that. It was a similar scenario at West Ham, but it, it seems like it's even more mm-hmm. uh, marked the ill feeling against him at, at Goodison. This presumably is one of the fixtures that he would think that he his side could win yeah it's a six, a six in a row fixtures and the right. first one was Palace okay and at that period of time Everton will be over the 40 points after those fixtures okay and they'll be calm and relaxed speaking of Palace they're involved in a a derby with Spurs um, the worried about going down derby P- the club for, for Palace fans and, and Deli Alley for the Spurs <laughs> oh, supporters oh. Spurs who have got a mixed record away from home of course the 2-0-2-2 comeback against Juventus, but less impressive performances. Uh, Newport and Rochdale, what do you think? Palace Spurs. Well, Spurs have typically had the edge in this game for the last few years. They've 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 won it 1-0, but it's usually, it's always been a tight affair. Um, I think you look at Palace, they have got players that Spurs and Pochettino himself would actually like, you know, in terms of Wolfwood Sahar, but Sahar's been He's a out, big miss no? for them. Yeah. They've got a lot of, they've got a lot of big injuries, Palace, at this moment. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's why yeah, they are down there in 15, still where they are. Okay. Only one point above the the bottom three, Palace. They're still, they're still not far at all from being in that bottom three and, you know, going down. Um, well, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, weekend's Premier League fixtures. Pat, before you think of wandering off, multicultural guru that you are, <laughs> can you nominate for us one song that people should be listening to and one film? It can be of a football ah, nature, if you like. Right, um... The song's hard because you just pick the first one that comes into your yeah, mind. Yeah, what's and the last one? The last one? one that I was listening to was Spitfire by Public Service Broadcasting. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'd go for that. Curious any- band, but yes. Yeah, mm. I'd, I mean, anyone who hasn't heard, heard PSB, I'd, I'd just try that track. Okay. It's pretty damn good. Um, uh, 
right on top of uh, films we see last night. But to be fair, uh, I Does watched Heleno right. again recently, which is a Brazilian film in Portuguese, film noir style. And it happens to be an incredible and true story about Heleno, who was as famous in Brazil before, as Pele was before Pele. And we, or many of us, have never heard of him. If you get a chance to see it and you're a football fan or a movie buff, either or, watch it. Right. Rodrigo Santoro plays Heleno de Freitas, mm-hmm. uh, who, yeah, Pele before in, Pele. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a stunning career. And, and of course, it, it burns and you know goes down in flames, but, oh. which makes it an interesting story in itself. But the stuff that you learn about when you think, wow, did that really happen in the 50s? You know, he was married to a film star, a Hollywood star, that sort of stuff. But forget about all that. We were both chatting about film beforehand. It's just a great film. Right. And it's beautifully filmed and the cinematography is super and the storyline's great and it's fab. There you go. If you're a football fan you haven't seen Miracle of Bern, get to see that one. German film, German speech film. People are put off as soon as they hear that, that it's you know not in English. But go and definitely go and see that film. Especially, I would suggest, and this is going to sound really odd, if you are English, go and see that film. Because the 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 equalities between England and Germany after the war are stunning. The, the similarities between the two nations and what they were going through was stunning. Interesting, Pat. Interesting. Well, it's been a real delight having you on. Pleasure. Before we wrap up, though, time now to get the odds from Paddy Power with Ian Macintosh. Thanks, James. I'm on the line with Amy Jones from Paddy Power. How are you doing, Amy? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, let's talk about what's coming up this weekend. We've got Arsenal and Manchester City in the League Cup final. Surely, to goodness, Manchester City wild favourites for that. Oh yeah, absolutely the favourites to, to get the win on Sunday. I mean, we thought this about Arsenal in the FA Cup final though, didn't we, last uh, uh, last May? And then look what happened there. What, what odds could we get on Arsenal doing something like that again? Well, to do the League Cup and the Europa League double, they're 13-1. to 1. Obviously, they're not the favourites this weekend, but you'd think that if they did do that, that'd uh, throw Arsene Wenger a bit of a lifeline, wouldn't it? Quite possibly, though you suspect that he's never really going to win some people round. <laughs> um, this could be the first part of a Manchester City, uh, have to be a treble now, not a quadruple. Uh, what, what are the odds on that holding up now? Yeah, so the 4-1 to one to do the treble, I mean, I think it's got to be the biggest shock in ages, hasn't it, that result against Wigan. It's just absolutely mental when you think of all the teams that have tried and failed to beat them. Um, but that being said, you know, they're the favourites for those those remaining competitions. So 4-1 to one is what they are. 4-1 to one on a treble. That's absolutely mad, isn't it? Um, there have been fireworks for months now between Mourinho and Conte, and they meet this weekend... Uh, fireworks off the pitch quite quite possibly but what about on the pitch what can we get on more than one red card yeah well if there's any game this weekend that you can see a bit of a kickoff or a bit of aggro it's got to be that and the 13 to 1 for more than one red card and I seem to remember there was a game a few years ago where Chelsea got two so it's definitely possible oh absolutely there's been a good few scraps between these two um, I'm expecting a rather more sort of uh, open and uh, attacking sort of game at Anfield, where Liverpool meet West Ham. West Ham, not in particularly good form. Liverpool score goals for fun. What can we get on them scoring four or more here? So you can get nine to four on them scoring four or more. And obviously they were just 
in frightening form, weren't they, against Porto last week. Mane was off the charts. Salah's just amazing. So, you know, I say it's feasible. And I think they've scored four against them the last couple of times they've met in the league. So maybe they'll make it a hat-trick. Yeah, I can see that one happening. And finally, Tottenham. Um, Tottenham can beat Real Madrid. They can come back from two down against Juve. Um, but they struggle against the likes of Newport and Rochdale. That makes me think Palace might have a chance this weekend. Yeah, so they're 11-2 to to get the win. And you could see, you could actually see them frustrating them and making it a little bit awkward and tough. And obviously, it's so tight, isn't it, down at the bottom end of the table that those results are up so key to somebody like Palace. I'll tell you, they almost got something at Wembley. I think they might get something here. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'll speak to you again on Monday. Thank you very much. You can find out those odds and more at paddypad.com. It is 18 plus only. Be gambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Hey, we need to give you your quiz answers, Jules. First of all, Sergio Ramos, how many goals has he scored for Real Madrid? Do you want to get James's? In the, is it in the 40s? No. Pat, what do you think? I wouldn't even try and guess. I would embarrass myself. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, kind of like six headers a season. How many years has he been playing? Uh, let's go for. Did you say in the forties? That seems foul. I'll say yeah. forty-two. He scored his seventy-second goal for what? Madrid Stop. on Wednesday night against Leganes. Incredible! But that's that's the guy. He scores more goals as a defender than anyone else. And wow! How many special. red cards he had in that time? Yeah, I think he's on twenty-one or something <laughs> silly like that. So if he wasn't suspended all the time, <laughs> yeah, he scored even more. It's incredible. And only you know three what, penalties. You'd be at the top of your, you know, goals per minute. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. defenders. Yeah. So, so Pat, you were saying that three players who were at the top yeah. of the goals per minute. I checked recently. this out um, ten days ago, uh, uh-huh. so it might hopefully just be still the case just now. So it's really oh, it might be wrong now, but it's tight. It's really okay. tight. The third place. So is we really had tight. Harry Kane, number one, uh-huh. Sergio Aguero, and then the third. Salah spot. was just about level with somebody else. And Jimmy Vardy. No. Mm, Who did you say, Jules? Batshuayi. Jim, Jimmy Vardy. Batshuayi. Bat 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 <laughs> but not just Premier League, all league, all domestic ah. games. Ah. And his well, goals per match is extraordinary. Yeah. And it's the weirdest thing because it doesn't make sense. And then he goes to Dortmund and scores a bunch yeah, of goals. Yeah. The ratio over there is pretty good it's as well. Stunning. Yeah, even better. Yeah. And that is today's Totally Football Show. Uh, many thanks to you, Julien Laurent. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you again soon. And you too, Mr. Horncuttle. And Pat Nevin, thank you so much for being with us today. Do it. We're going to be uh, enjoying your company in I'm, the near future I would love to it was lovely to be all educated right. by you all well, great. <laughs> you are too, too kind and of course we will have uh, you on board for our jaunt to Dublin on the 19th of March listeners if you're in or around the Dublin area mid-March there are one or two tickets still left so do come and join us otherwise we'll catch up with you after the weekend I sure hope it's a good one the Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.